Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. Joe Burrow and the Bengals have arrived. The Cardinals break out of their funk against the Cowboys. Plus, why will the national championship be different than the SEC championship? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After falling behind by 14 early, the Cincinnati Bengals behind Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase come all the way back to beat the Kansas City Chiefs 34-31. to I said it during the game, win or lose, Cincinnati announced itself as real AFC contenders in this game. Joining me now from Locked on Bengals, it's Jake Lisko. And Jake, what did you see from the Bengals that would give you faith that they can be dangerous in the postseason? They took the handcuffs off. They they let Joe Burrow go again, and I actually wasn't sure they would, despite what they did to Baltimore two weeks ago, or last week now. That's against the defense that's missing most of its teeth. Kansas City, Chris Jones was a problem. Joe Burrow's name got ripped off his jersey. <laughs> he still went 30 for 39 for 446, setting a Bengals franchise record for passing touchdowns and passing yards in this game, have four touchdowns. But the the faith and connection he has with Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase's individual play in this game. Absolutely huge. The defense on the other hand holds the chiefs to three points in the second half. If you would have asked me at halftime, what the final score of the game was going to be, I would have never said Kansas city is going to have 31. They're going to score a single field goal in the second half, but that's the way it went. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes held to 259 yards. In fact, Jamar Chase had more yards receiving 266 with three scores than Patrick Mahomes did throwing an incredible stretch for Joe Burrow, 446 and four after going five over 500 against Baltimore. Defensively, this is a Bengals team that has outperformed expectations, I think, to a certain degree defensively. You mentioned, yes, they gave up 31 to the Chiefs, but it's the Chiefs. And, and the second half performance, as you said, is impressive. So are you do you come away encouraged, discouraged that they still give up 31? Like, where do you shake out on that part of it? Oh, I, I give the defense a lot of credit. They they managed to hold on in the second half and started to get some pressure, started to contain Mahomes a little bit better. I think that in this game, they were banking on Patrick Mahomes' tendency to kind of drift backwards and out of the pocket. And they were firing way upfield on the edges, which is where the Chiefs' weaknesses are on the offensive line. They're playing third stringers, I think and left and right tackle with Joe Tooney kicked out to left tackle. And so in the first half, the approach was to try to get him deep. And and then when he tries to escape out the back, there's somebody there for him. But Mahomes did a great job in this game of stepping up, managing the pocket well and extending the play as he's known to do. The second half, I think they corrected this approach a little bit and and did a better job there. And, you know, I, I really credit the secondary in this game. I think they had a good plan. Tyreek Hill, 10 targets, six catches. 40 yards. And he got a lot of Chidobe Abuzier was following him around the field today. So a lot of credit to Cheeto there. Travis Kelsey, the other guy that Bengals fans were worried about all week after they got gashed by Mark Andrews last week, seven targets, five catches, 25 yards. There are some other guys that got some. Miko Harmon, 53-yard catch. Blake Bell, the, the other tight end, Byron Pringle. But the, the Bengals did a good job on the Chiefs stars. 
they had a pretty good approach in the second half. I'm my, my favorite call of the game. Louie Anarumo goes zero blitz with no disguise against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs mm-hmm. on third and five in the red zone. The, the amount of fortitude of will to call that play in that spot is massive and his defense rewarded him. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen of the day. Coming up, the Cardinals break out of their funk against the Cowboys. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Packers beat down the Minnesota Vikings 37-10 on Sunday night, clinching the number one seed in the NFC and becoming the first team in NFL history to win 13 games in three straight seasons. Matt LaFleur has still never not had the bye week as Packers coach in three seasons. And this was the rubber match between Aaron Rodgers and Mike Zimmer. They were 3-3-1. Rodgers moves to 4-3-1 and and could very well have ended the Mike Zimmer tenure in Minnesota. The Chargers needed a win against the Broncos to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Chargers' playoff chances are very much alive after a dominating win over the Denver Broncos. What's up, guys? This is Daniel Wade here from Locked On Chargers coming to you after the Chargers' 34-13 dismantling of a beat-up Denver Broncos team. But the Chargers did what they had to do. The offense struggled at points, but Justin Herbert did set the franchise record with his 35th touchdown pass of the season. He passes Phillip Rivers in 16 games in 2021, which is great. The defense came up big all day, including stopping the Broncos on three out of their four fourth down attempts, which really could have changed this game along the way. And you can't forget about special teams, a unit that struggled so much for the Chargers. Andre Roberts, after a 47-yard return to open the game, comes up with a 101-yard kickoff return in the second half for a touchdown. The first Chargers to do that since 2012. It was Michael Spurlock and Andre Roberts got it done on Sunday. And now the Chargers have set up a one-game winner-take-all matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas to make it into the playoffs. But for the full game breakdown, make sure to check out the new Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on our platforms wherever you get your podcast from. You would think, with the musical chairs at quarterback for the Saints this season, that they would be done by now, but they aren't. The playoffs still very much in reach for the New Orleans Saints. I'm Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. The New Orleans Saints keep their playoff hopes alive with an 18-10 win over the division rival Carolina Panthers in New Orleans. The defense showing up big in this one with seven sacks on Carolina quarterback Sam Darnold, including three and a half from Cam Jordan. And also you get a sack and an interception from C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the final defensive possession to seal the game for the New Orleans Saints. Saints. That means that the Saints week 18 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons continues to be another must win scenario. They need to win that game and get a little help from the Los Angeles Rams over in the NFC West and their showdown with the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers loss and a, and a New Orleans Saints win that should put them in position to get into the postseason. For more on what lies ahead for the Saints this win and how they got it done make sure you're checking out the Locked On Saints podcast free and available on all platforms part of Locked On Podcast Network your team every day if you forgot about the titans when derrick henry went down you've missed like a lot tyler roland here host of the locked on titans podcast with my instant reaction to the tennessee titans 34 to 3 beatdown of the miami dolphins 
it was a huge Sunday for the Tennessee Titans. Not only did they handle their business in dominant fashion, 34-3, and never letting the Dolphins feel any kind of life during the game. They absolutely swarmed them on defense. Tua looked lost out there against the Titans' defense. The Titans' defense forced a couple turnovers, and the Titans' offense was able to just dominate the Dolphins up front. The Titans' offensive line against the sack-leading team in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, only gave up one sack on the day and ran for nearly 200 rushing yards. Not only did the Titans do their part in impressive fashion, but the Cincinnati Bengals did the Titans a favor. They defeated the Kansas City Chiefs, and now the Tennessee Titans sit atop the AFC and will go into a Week 18 matchup against the Houston Texans, looking for not only revenge, but the number one spot in the conference and a first-round buy in the playoffs. One of the best Sundays in Tennessee Titans history here in Week 17, 34-3 Titans over the Dolphins. Oklahoma City Thunder guard Josh Giddy, back after three games in the NBA's health and safety protocols, became the youngest player in league history to record a triple-double during Sunday night's game against the Dallas Mavericks. Giddy finished with 17, 14, and 13 for his first triple-double in a 94-86 loss by the Thunder. Yes, of course, they lost. At 19 years and 84 days old, Giddy surpassed Charlotte Hornets guard LaMelo Ball, who previously held the distinction at 19 years, 140 days old. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for coming up on betonline.ag, your number one spot for all your college football and pro football action this season. We've got a rematch of the SEC championship game for the national title. The betonline.ag line for this game has Georgia three-point favorites over Alabama. Tonight, the Pittsburgh Steelers are only one-point favorites at home against the Cleveland Browns, according to betonline.ag, as the Steelers try to salvage what is likely Big Ben's final season and his last game at Heinz Field. Looking ahead to the Week 18 slate in the NFL, the Chargers and Raiders will play with everything on the line, and they'll do it on Sunday night football. The betonline.ag line for this game is the Chargers giving three. For all your gambling needs, betonline.ag has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to get that bonus. Here is another story you need to know. The Arizona Cardinals were struggling. Three straight losses without their star receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, and facing a Cowboys team that is fresh off an absolute beatdown of the Washington football team. But they were able to find a way to win 25-22 to against Dallas, and they are back in the mix in the NFC. Not that they ever really left. Joining me now from Locked On Cardinals, it's Alec Clancy. And, and Alex, this is a Cardinals offense that had failed to get to 20 each of the last two games, and that includes one game against the Lions. What changed in this game against a very good Cowboys defense? What did they find? I don't know. Like, like <laughs> the NFL is the weirdest entity in all of sports. It's just, <laughs> it's so fickle. Every week is different. And what the Cardinals did today, all joking aside, was they played a competent and solid football game from second one to the last second of the game. And we hadn't seen this in the last, what, uh, you know, three games in a row. And what they did was they executed a game plan that they that was put together nicely. They played good defense and Rodney Hudson was back. So Rodney Hudson 
may go down as the best offseason acquisition Steve Kime has ever facilitated over DeAndre Hopkins, over J.J. Watt, over enter name here. When Rodney Hudson is there, Kyler Murray is protected. When Kyler Murray is protected, the Cardinals win football games. And that's what we saw today. And, you know, it was a beautiful thing to watch. And, again, I didn't think the Cardinals were going to I, I Cardinals were gonna win. I, I, I did not think they were going to win today. You mean you didn't think that Antoine Wesley would catch two touchdown passes and uh, be a key factor on offense in this game? I mean, after a massive third down drop on a great ball by Kyler Murray, I was like, man, play callings into question everything. And then, yeah, you know, Kyler's Kyler and he throws people open and he extends plays and they took care of business. Defensively, I, I was really impressed with what Arizona did in this game against a team with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup until he went out, Dak Prescott, and of course, the backfield that this Cowboys team has. Now they are an offense that has been a little up and down here, but it seemed like this was a game where they got the most out of someone like Isaiah Simmons. They were able to create some pressure. They had the sack fumble. So defensively, where do you think this team is right now as we head toward the playoffs? I don't know. Like, so, you know, no, it's funny. Like, Vance but that's Joseph, this team this year, right? Yeah. That's just been who the Cardinals are this year. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons arguably has the two biggest defensive plays over the last two seasons. Last year was the interception in overtime against Seattle on Sunday Night Football. They got flexed, right. and then this, this, that turnover could change the trajectory for the Cardinals for the rest of the season. Now, Byron Murphy has never been a CB one, let alone an outside corner. The only thing we do know about this defense is that, in my opinion, they have the best safety room in the NFL with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Buda Baker is now a household name. Jalen Thompson will be soon. Two Pacific Northwest guys who, you know, the East Coast is asleep when they're playing college football at Washington and Washington State, respectively. When Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are over the top watching this defense, regardless of who's playing corner, they're in good hands. And Chandler Jones is a name. He showed a pulse today, had a strip sack that, that didn't get recovered by the Cardinals. But the defense, this is what we saw through the first half of the season. I mean, even against Green Bay, even against the team that you cover, the Cardinals played very good defense. And we saw that again today against, on paper, the best offense in the NFL. So again, the NFL is weird. I was not expecting that defensive performance to have that kind of output. But here we are, the Cardinals sitting 11 and 5. Coming up, why will the national championship be any different than the SEC championship? Our cue of the day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bars in your plan. I introduced them to my family over the holidays. They were a success by any measure. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. That's why. And there may be even better than a candy bar. If for no other reason, then I actually keep these in my cabinet. I wouldn't keep candy in my cabinet to just casually eat because that wouldn't be good for my body. Built Bars are. And they taste incredible. They taste incredible, but are still good for you. Low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, high in protein, high in fiber. You can feel good about putting them in your body. So whether your idea of a happy new year is just hey, I'd like to make one or two better decisions a day about my health. Built Bar can be one of them. Or if you're trying to commit to a lifestyle change, to get healthier, to eliminate the sweets, but you still want that, that nice treat, 
Built Bar can deliver it. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the day. In case you had any questions, the two best teams in college football play in the SEC. It's Alabama and Georgia, just like we thought it was when the college football playoffs start. Alabama takes care of Cincinnati 27-6. to Georgia takes down Michigan 34-11. to Joining me now from Locked on SEC is Chris Gordy. And Chris, we've seen these two teams square off already. Alabama won in the SEC championship handily. So what would be the reason we would expect it to go differently for round two? Well, I mean, I don't want to say that that SEC championship game was a fluke, but it was a one-game, you know, kind of event, if you want to put it that way. In other words... It was a game where Georgia wanted to win the SEC, but they really didn't have to. And I heard somebody put it this way. You know, it was that game was so much more important to Alabama, right? Because they had to win the SEC to punch their ticket to the postseason. Georgia, I think in the back of their minds, knew if they lost that game, they would still find their way into the playoff. But don't get it wrong. In that game, Alabama played their best game of the season. Georgia played their worst game of the season. I think against Michigan, we saw the real Georgia team. I said, will the real Georgia team please stand up? You know, getting back to holding Michigan to three points for most of that game. That was the Georgia defense we came to know. Aggressive, slowing down the run, getting after the quarterback. That's the Georgia defense we saw all year, and I think that's the Georgia defense we're going to see this time around against Alabama. On the flip side, Bama was good against Cincinnati. The defense was very good. The run game was very good. Bryce Young threw for three touchdowns. But it wasn't like, a, you know, a wow, oh my God, Bama type performance. You know, we've seen the playoffs in the past where they put up 40, 50 points and that sort of thing. And so no surprise when you see the early spread from Bet Online that Georgia is around a three-point favorite because a lot of people are going with the mantra, it's hard to beat a team twice in the same season. One of the big problems in that SEC championship game too was the Georgia offense could not hang with the Alabama offense. What we saw in the, in the semifinal was that Georgia offense find a rhythm against a very good Michigan team. If you're going to make a case for Georgia hanging with, with Alabama this time, it probably centers around the offense as well, right? It is. And Stetson Bennett is a guy that's going to get a lot of attention this week. You know, he's a guy that was not supposed to be the starter this year. It was JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett was a nice fill-in quarterback a year ago for Georgia. And this year, he's kind of had that moniker of game manager. But, you know, right. can he perform on the big stage? Well, I think he did that the other night against a really good Michigan team. We know how good Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a top-five pick in this draft. They held him and the rest of that Michigan defense without a sack. I thought Georgia's O-line did a fantastic job. Bennett threw for over 300 yards, three mm-hmm. touchdowns. He used his legs. He shows he's got a little mobility. Three rushes for 32 yards in that game. So, look, Stetson Bennett... Didn't play terrible in the SEC title game. He still kept bringing Georgia down the field, consistently going into Alabama's red zone. I think this game, he'll tweak the mistakes he made last time. If Stetson Bennett plays just a decent game in this game, I think Georgia upset or Georgia pulls off the win and they beat Alabama. And finally, one of the more bizarre scenes you will ever see in an NFL arena. Antonio Brown decided he had enough. In the third quarter of the Bucks game against the Jets, he took off his jersey, pads, and shirt, chucked them into the stands, and walked out of the stadium while waving in the end zone. After the Bucks came back to beat the Jets on a final drive, head coach Bruce Arians said AB is no longer 
a buck. What he failed to do is take any responsibility or accountability for his role in enabling Antonio Brown at every step of the way in Tampa Bay. Bruce Arian said he would not bring on Antonio Brown after he was cut from the Patriots amid sexual assault allegations and served an eight-game suspension after an arrest and subsequent charges. Then he did because Tom Brady wanted it, saying, well, if he makes one mistake, he's gone. Then he made that one mistake. He provided a falsified vaccine card to the NFL, was subsequently suspended. But Bruce Arians said, you know what? He can come back. And then this in a situation where, according to Arians, he asked Antonio Brown to go back in the game. Brown would not. And all of this happened. None of this is new behavior. This is stuff we've seen gone on with Antonio Brown for a long time. Bruce Arians chose talent over integrity. And he failed to answer for it. Failed to take accountability, saying, I only want to talk about players on this team. That's not leadership. That is cowardice. Coming up Tuesday, can Pittsburgh save their season against the Browns? We'll have that and a lot more. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.